This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast, video chat. I don't know. What do, what do we call it? Do we need a name? Should we come up with an actual name for this? I, I feel like every couple years I sort of throw this at brunts and then we just kind of stick with what we have. But do we do we need a name now that people can actually stare at our faces as we talk? The Pasty Boys. <laughs> I'm I'm speaking mostly for myself. I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to hit one of those tanning salons or something and uh, be like George Hamilton. You should have enjoyed that 60-degree weather on Sunday. I just went out and went sunbathing off the deck. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, the Pasty Boys is a good start. I think we can probably – we can workshop something. <laughs> okay, if somebody fuck. wants to come up with something better, we can we can uh, maybe roll with that. Yeah, I was trying to make some sort of scarlet and cream joke where we're heavy on the cream, but I couldn't quite, like – couldn't quite pull it off. So if you guys have one, feel free. I got nothing. I, I I wasn't prepared for this. This wasn't in the notes, in the show notes. It's not it's not hammock season yet. Once I get that hammock out, um, man, it's gonna be. You are the lines across your face when you get twisted over <laughs> and you can't get out. People are gonna be turning in like nobody's business to see my face after hammock season. Now, do you have it rigged where you have a station set up next to the hammock that you could actually do one of these while you're resting in the hammock? That's what we need to do. We should do a hammock, uh, a hammock pod. Yeah, Shelby got me a hammock for my birthday two years ago that we haven't really ever used. So uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll set it out and uh, we'll we'll have a hammock show. Brunt is, is definitely going the wrong way with this as he often does. I had no idea that you guys. I knew BC was a big hammock guy, but I'm a little uh, surprised that you you two are team hammock. Well, I mean, when I went down to Cozumel, like one of the highlights was right outside our room. There was just these rows of hammocks and pretty much just laying in there and reading books was like the best part of that vacation. So I uh, I voiced that I really enjoyed hammocks. And then Shelby bought one in October of 2020. And it's like I don't know. Is your BC? Do you have the the two ropes that you tie between trees, or do you have like a freestanding one, or what is it? Freestanding. I got some poles that set up. Yeah. It's not the most attractive on the eye by any means, but yeah, that's basically what I have. And then I just didn't set it up in my backyard previously, but now I have this you know giant expanse down here in South Lincoln that uh, I'll have to put it in one of the acres, and then you know take the gator out to visit it every day. Yep. Then you can be cultured and call it like hammock or switch, sort of switch how you pronounce it. That's what cultured people do. If they do something a while, they kind of change the pronunciation a bit. Okay. So they're a, a different class. You know, the people watching this can definitely tell I'm cultured. So they could certainly see where <laughs> I put in there. 
They'd be, afraid you'd, they'd be afraid you'd start living in your hammock. <laughs> I mean, there might be days where I have to. So, all right. Um, Brunts did offer a, a, a show name. I'm not prepared for this. Uh, that that could possibly be a podcast name for us going forward. We'll put that in the hopper and see if we come up with anything else. But with spring football starting in a little less than a week, I figured no better time than for us to dive into some of the spring buzz topics that we get into every year. Players we're excited to see, players we want to hear discussed, position groups we look forward to watching when we can go to open practices. All of that good stuff. So let's uh, let's just dive right into spring football. Let's start with a very easy, very obvious question. Are you more excited this year for spring football with the changeover at quarterback, the change on the staff, than in previous years where, yeah, it was a little bit different, but for the most part, Nebraska's kind of had the same group of guys around. Going to be very different in 2022. Brunts? Yeah, I mean, there's intrigue. I mean, anytime you have a coaching change or coaching changes, you know, that that adds to intrigue. We still don't know what this uh, – we still don't have a name for it, but whatever Mark Whipple is going to do on offense, we don't, we don't know what that's going to look like. If it's just going to be basically the pit offense, if it's going to be a, a combination of, of pit and what Nebraska had done – previously uh, with Scott Frost and the quarterback run game. We don't know any of that. So there's intrigue of what the heck is this going to look like? And and then, you know, the we've never had this bulk of, of newcomers coming in and not just newcomers, but guys who are in a position to be serious contributors this coming season. So you have the individual part of it with kind of getting to look at those guys for the first time and, and kind of getting a, a sense maybe of who's going to help. Um, you have the the kind of big picture stuff with the coaching staff and how that's all going to come together. And you still have questions too about, you know, when, once you dig into what group needs the best spring and who needs to come together and who needs to improve and all this other stuff. So there's a lot to talk about this spring where it, it's felt like maybe – in, in years past, when you've had a settled quarterback position for the most part, that there really hasn't been much drama or, you know, significant storylines that, that just kind of naturally come up. If you had to, to give it a rating, one through 10, 10 being over the moon, you couldn't wait for it to start. One being you kind of wish the calendar stays on February for another three months. Oh, nobody wishes have... that. Well, I'm just, that's why it's one. <clears throat> No, I, I would say an, a, a scale of 1 to 10 for this spring ball, I would say I'm at a 7 or an 8. And I think a 10 for me would be anytime you have a new coaching staff, just a complete overhaul, like new head coach, everything else, that, that's a 10 is, is usually when I'm most excited. So I'd say 7.5 out of 10 uh, to, to get whatever this spring ball is going to look like going. What about you, BC? What's your uh... – What's your intrigue here this this spring? Yeah, it's like a seven or an eight because uh, QB is an obvious one, but uh, you could dance around to, I mean, wide receiver under Mickey Joseph, I think is going to draw a ton of eyes. Um, and not just because of uh, sort of the, the new transfers like uh, Palmer and Garcia Castaneda, but, you know, I wrote about like Sean Hardy the other day. I mean, there's an interesting crop of like, sort of guys 
Uh, you could name off Grimes, Hardy, Neville. Yeah. You could name off Will Nixon, Alante Brown from the other class. And then the class that's coming in with Victor Jones and then Dakotas Crawford and Bonner will be here in May. Um, I mean, that that's like eight names there. Um, and so those guys really have to um, position themselves in line um, this offseason knowing that like if you're near the back of the pack there and you're playing for Mickey Joseph, who we all regard as a pretty good recruiter, um, you know, they're going to keep recruiting over you. So if I'm one of those young guys, I immediately have urgency just knowing um, like what's at stake, what the numbers are at the position. Um, so wide receivers right up there and then offensive line. I mean, goodness, who's, who's going to be where uh, it, there's a little bit of, an unfortunate part with Corcoran um, and Prohaska not being there, but that that's going to contribute to, I think them experimenting even more about who's at center and who's at the guard spot. So um, there's like four position groups I could say are almost tied um, as far as my level of interest. And actually QB is maybe down a notch. Even if I were to rank them just because I think I know who might be the starter Whereas other positions, I don't feel that way. Yeah, I, I'm at a seven, um, which is pretty high for me for spring ball in general. Uh, I generally probably operate in the four to five territory almost every year. But this one, I, I have a lot of interest because of the different players. Because in part, I don't expect the offense to look wholesale different. But I am expecting things to be a little bit different. Um, and And – there's certain position groups and you hit on this PC, you know, receivers, offensive line. And then on the defensive side of the ball, part of my intrigue this spring has to do with Nebraska needing to replace some stalwarts, some guys that have been there a long time. Like, what does this defense look like without Cam Taylor Britt, without Ben Stilley, without Damian Daniels, without Jojo Doman, uh, without Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams? I mean, that defensive back room alone, I, I want to spend quite a bit of time just kind of seeing what's going on there, what that rotation looks like, who's getting run at safety, if anybody's getting moved over. You got two guys in Omar Brown and Tommy Hill that are, are transfers in that, uh, you know, are going to be fighting opposite of Quentin Newsom, who I, I think that we've done a good job on this podcast and on our message board talking up how important he was for Nebraska last year. But I get the sense that maybe it's not thought of in the same way outside of this where like Newsom's a really huge piece to what Nebraska's doing. Like they need him to, to elevate his game even more. Uh, and he has to kind of be the de facto leader in that room. And I don't know how that suits his personality, but that's kind of what, what the reality of it is. So that defensive back room, I'm definitely, you know, going to spend some time just trying to watch and figure out what they have there because they have some young guys that, you know, a Kobe Brett's like we, when we talk safety, I, don't do a good job of bringing him up as an option. Like it wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing in the world. If a guy who was a freshman last year has a really good spring and puts himself in the rotation. I mean, he's a really good athlete. Nebraska was very excited about getting him uh, when they did. And so that's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of trying to keep my eye out a little bit more this spring with some of these guys that have an, uh, a possibility to sort of break through a little bit, or we're part of that 2021 recruiting class and then really never were a factor on the roster because it was an older roster and they didn't need to play a lot of those guys. I mean, Randolph Kapai, another one of them uh, at linebacker. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this. And so 
you've done a great job, BC, of highlighting some of those guys here over the last couple of weeks. But there's there's going to be some new names this spring. And I think there's a level of fresh around that uh, that has me more intrigued than maybe in years past where it's like, I know the names. I generally know where they're going to line up. There's just certain pieces like, okay, who's going to be where on the offensive line? Uh, and that's still going to be true this year too. But there's it's more whole spread. I mean, this is a this is going to be a very different looking team, and I don't know that we can say it as many times. Um, but until we actually sort of see it in practice and see it on the field, and then see it in the red white game, it's going to take a little bit to click in. Like it's a different version of Nebraska football coming, and uh, I'm really intrigued to see what that is, good, bad, or otherwise. All right. Um, I mentioned we had some categories we wanted to dive into, and we, we kind of touched on this stuff a little bit each individually there. But um, who's a player for you, Brunt, from the early enrollees that you kind of want to try to size up this spring? You're going to be asking questions about or you're hoping to maybe even get a chance to chat with for the first time. Yeah, it's to me, it, it's offensive skill position, guys, um, it is where my focus goes immediately. Wide receiver specifically, I think I think Trey Palmer is, is an intriguing guy given his background and his experience at LSU. We were talking a little bit before we started. I mean, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is a guy that committed pretty quietly out of the transfer portal. Um, he was the he was the stop in Twenty Nine Palms, California, that everybody was trying to figure out who the heck. Scott Frost was seen uh, when his plane stopped there in the middle of nowhere, California. But he, he's a, a guy that I think is going to have an opportunity to play a ton um, with this this team. And, you know, he, he's got experience at, at the FBS level. He was a big play threat at the JUCO level. I, I think he was probably overlooked a little bit from based on where he transferred from and the fact that he, he did commit pretty early in the process in terms of everybody else coming in and that kind of thing. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued by him and to see what he can bring to the table. Cause I think he's maybe a guy that we're not talking about enough going into the spring. BC. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tommy Hill, Omar Brown, um, but both of them, I, I don't put one ahead of the other. I think they're both, I mean, really interesting in different ways. I mean, with, uh, with Omar Brown, I've, you've taught, I know you're big on him Schaefer and I'm, I am not, I feel pretty close to you actually, that he has one of the more complete resumes, um, of the guys that are incoming. Um, they're sort of, uh, you know, when Chris Kolarovich came, I sort of thought this is a guy who he could really take off and be huge, but at the very least, you've got a nice ground floor with him. And I love transfer guys like that. And I think Omar Brown is that type of guy where you know he's going to contribute in some fashion. It's just to what level. And then Tommy Hill, um, I mean, this was one of the, I mean, he was a highly regarded recruit. And uh, Nebraska needs one of those guys. Um, you know, Travis Fisher has done a pretty good job about bringing in guys sort of in their middle of their career um, to spice up the competition. And now it's time for one of those guys, I think, to really take off. And as I mentioned, Tommy Hill, I wouldn't put him in the cat same category as like Tyreek Johnson and Adab Joseph. I think he's different because I think in Tommy Hill's case, he didn't run to Nebraska because he was like buried on the depth chart. 
he came to Nebraska as a guy who probably was going to start or had a very good chance to start at Arizona State this last year. So I think it's important to differentiate between his situation and some other guys we've seen transfer in the secondary. That said, I think it would be good for the Husker fans' soul if they saw like a guy like that um, who just popped in mid-career, just just bust out, you know, and, and be a be a baller. So uh, those two guys. Is part of it with Omar Brown that he's a big Vikings fan? Uh, I didn't. I didn't that. even know that. Um, yeah, he's, so, from, he's from the cities, and he wants you to know he's actually from Minneapolis and not one of the suburbs. He gets to claim Minneapolis. This is what I've learned on Twitter the last week or so. So he has a humble nature about himself. He he knows what it's like to deal with tough circumstances and uh, um, have your heart hurt and still keep going. And so that could be a that could be an advantageous quality for him. <laughs> nice. Uh, I I want to um, I kind of want to check in with Chubba Purdy in part because I'm really curious why. Nebraska was the right fit for him why he wanted to engage in this competition with with you know Casey Thompson versus others what sort of led to the relationship that he had with Mark Whipple where obviously he was being recruited to Pitt at one point in time I mean so I'm really intrigued there and then of course obviously you know Casey Thompson the the whole quarterback situation is fascinating and we're going to have I'm sure plenty of opportunities to, to kind of talk with those guys. Another one for me, Anthony Grant um, is, is kind of an interesting situation. I, I just, from talking to the guys down at Florida State, that was a running back and that they thought was a really good athlete that at the very least was going to have a role on that roster, starting with special teams and then possibly expanding at running back. He had that monster year at New Mexico Military Institute. Nebraska is able to bring him in. He feels a little bit forgotten about after A.J. Allen committed um in in February and then of course you still have Ramir Johnson and Marquis Stepp and Jockey Ant and Gabe Urban but Anthony Grant threw his name in the hat into a very crowded room and so I I kind of want to discuss that uh with him too so you know Chubba Purdy and Anthony Grant are two guys that looked at Nebraska's depth and said no we we want this we're we're gonna we're gonna go with this and they both had opportunities to go elsewhere and so I'm kind of curious what it was that, that pushed them over the top uh, all right. Continuing on with the spring, what's an area of concern that you have before the spring starts that you're going to keep an eye on to see if it uh, provides a little confirmation bias for you or something of that nature? Bruns, where, where are you concerned about as you look at Nebraska's roster right now? It's still D-line. And, and the thing the thing about D-line is my my concerns are not going to be fixed by anything that we learned this spring like I, I'm not we're not going to know really where that defensive line is at I don't think until they're out there in, in Dublin or Evanston or wherever that game is going to be played like to me I noticed an or there. there what's that I noticed an or there you're leaving yeah. it out big 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 or um, so I that to me is a, an area of concern I think that um, you know you're, you're going to need to add some more people there too, um, you know after the spring. So it's going to be an incomplete group that we're not going to really know about. Like I said, until probably at the end of fall practices. BC, <clears throat> yeah, Brunson's answer is probably the right one. But um, I mean, O line, you could 
put right up there, I guess, with it. Just the who's where to start with. Um, how much do you um, maneuver guys around throughout the spring? Like a good example is uh, Hunter Anthony, um, who I know you talked to, Schaefer, and he can play guard. He could be a tackle option. But the one thing I think he said to you was, just settle me somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't want to bounce. And I do think it's critical. I don't. I would totally understand if Donovan Riola for a few weeks is really shifting the pieces around and kind of seeing what works. But I do think a big part of the spring will be at the end of it, does he feel like he's got solidified where guys are and sort of at least a rough draft in place of what the two deep might look like? And I think it's pretty critical that either Hunter Anthony or Kevin Williams Jr., who's technically a senior on the as a, on his official bio, um, that they hit. Like one of those guys is a hit and maybe as a starter. And uh, that's nothing against like a Henry Latofsky or some young guy making a push right to the front right off the bat. But I would really love it if like Kevin Williams Jr., were just a dude that really gave you a lot in one year and you got a chance to grow some guys sort of in-depth pieces behind him. And, oh, yeah, Kevin Williams Jr. is also from Omaha North and he's connected to a lot of the community that of, of recruits that like sometimes Nebraska hasn't had as much success with. It'd be huge if guys like him, Xavier Betts, you know, guys in the metro area had some success that you can kind of point to specifically – as they try to recruit that area as well. So O-line for a variety of reasons and sort of the in the also the interest behind Donovan Ryle and just how he operates because he's not a guy who loves the media stuff and all that, but that doesn't matter if he can connect to those guys between the lines at practices. And so that's going to be uh, it's a big question mark to me, but uh, it's also one that I have an open mind about that, you know, let's see what happens. I am uh, I'm not going to go with a position group. I just kind of want to see how leadership emerges from players in a roster that had a big turnover. A lot of your top end guys that, you know, really either spoke with the media a lot or represented leadership roles on that team or were captains. I mean, they're just gone. You don't have Adrian Martinez anymore. You don't have uh, Jojo Doman or Cam Taylor Britt or Ben Stilley. So does that who does that kind of fall to is Garrett Nelson, who we know to be a pretty vocal guy. Uh, does he take on a leadership role? Is it Luke Reimer or Nick Henrich um, back on the defensive backfield? I mean, does does a guy like Omar Brown, because he has starting experience, sort of default into that, even though he's a new guy there? How quickly does Casey Thompson become kind of a de facto leader on the offensive side of the ball? What about on the offensive line where you no longer have Cam Jurgens or Matt Sichterman, who I, I don't even know you would consider to be uh, in those, those sort of leadership roles? You have Travis Vokalek. I think he's going to certainly be involved with his tight end group um, at wide receiver. I don't have a clue. Maybe it's Oliver Martin. Um, I, maybe they're searching for it. Maybe it's Trey Palmer. And for the same reasons, as I mentioned with Omar Brown, but it's, it's kind of interesting. You look through all of these different positions, there's going to be different people talking. There's going to be different people ascending into that kind of leadership void. And I'm kind of curious to see who those individuals ultimately will be. Uh, before we transition out of spring football, I do want to throw a, a couple of quick fire ones out there. Is there a guy that you think could be a, a spring breakout 
in 2022? Is there there's someone that maybe isn't getting a lot of run or because of circumstances uh, we don't find ourselves talking a lot about, but could be in position to, to kind of have his name discussed and, and really earn some opportunity? Anything come to mind for you, Brooks? Uh, Lutovsky, hit the line. That's that's the uh, the name that comes to mind. I think as much as you know, you, you're hoping that veterans kind of rise to the occasion. There, he seems like a guy that his time is is getting there to get in the mix. There's opportunity, new new coaching staff on that side of the ball, new new position coach. I, I think he's a guy that, uh, that that that's ready, and I think that he's going to emerge as as a potential. Um, option there for Nebraska at, at guard this spring. BC? I'll give two quick names, and they're not names that are like unfamiliar to the conversation, but I feel like they don't get talked about enough for how big a role they could have, and it's Isaac Gifford and uh, Marquise Buford. I think both are going to play a lot. I think Buford, wherever they decide to put him, uh, is going to be right in the fight for a starting job. And that could be safety or corner. Chenander left that open in mid-December when I asked him about it, what his position is. Um, but I know I know for a fact that Chenander and Fisher love Marquise Buford. I mean, they just think he's a, he's a, he's a sponge. And think about what happened to him last year. He came on, immediately dazzled him. Uh, in the winter conditioning part, gets to spring ball, basically suffers a serious injury on the first play. That usually is the end of the road for a guy for a season. That's a new guy. You don't hear from them again, hardly ever. He came back and was in the mix, you know, and played all the games in some role at special teams and all that. He's just that kind of guy. And his brother's obviously a good recruit too. So bring it to recruiting with that. So those are the guys I'd say. You know who sort of fits the what you described there? If you kind of can go back to, I want to say it was 20, the spring of 2016 would be JoJo Doman, right? Like, do you, you guys remember how excited Mike Riley's staff and Mike Riley specifically was about Doman at that time? Yeah. And then I think he tore his ACL like a week later. And then, uh, you know, everything sort of happens. And then he sort of reemerged in 2018 and then became a player that we sort of know of him as. Um, so he's, he kind of fits in that, that Buford category. I'm going to give a name that everybody knows, but I feel like no one has really talked about who has opportunity this spring. Cause the guy in front of him, I don't think is, is going to practice a lot. And that's Thomas Fedoni. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, we were really excited as a recruit. He was the number one tight end in the nation in the 2021 class. He went through spring ball and he got hurt in the middle of it. Uh, he was having some of his better performances right before he ended up getting hurt. He came back and and was threatening to play at the end of last year. He's supposed to be healthy. He's ready to go. I mean, that's a guy that uh, could be more involved in this passing offense in a variety of ways than maybe I've I've kind of thought of or, or that I've been projecting. So uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what about Thomas Fedoni is different in his second spring uh, as a healthy guy. Um, then, then kind of when we last heard about him right before that knee injury. So he's he's someone I, I admit to have forgotten about a little bit um, over the last year. And so he's got a ton of talent. And I, I certainly want to see kind of what they can bring or what he can bring uh, this spring. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we transition over to recruiting where we will discuss about Nebraska's most recent additions. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Nebraska picked up two commitments on cons- – no, not quite consecutive days. There was a day in between. Sam Sledge was on Sunday. William Watson was on Tuesday. Uh, Nebraska loves the alliterative names, alliterative name in the 2023 class. They have five commitments now. Sam Sledge, not a surprise. I don't think to anybody in this chat at the moment, or really any Nebraska fan, I, you know, his dad played at Nebraska. He grew up a Nebraska fan. Uh, got that offer, and it was just a matter of when he was going to announce it. William Watson, however, on Tuesday evening, that was a surprise. Nebraska took a quarterback. One of the earliest times they've taken a quarterback, save for Logan Smothers, who committed in the summer of 2018. Normally, Nebraska is getting their quarterback in June. They have their quarterback in the 2023 class in February, and it's a guy from Springfield, Massachusetts. What are your initial thoughts, Brian Christofferson, on the addition of William Watson. Is that where the Simpsons are from, or is it Springfield, Field, Illinois, or Missouri? <clears throat> Do you know which Springfield? Well, there's, it's, there's a neighborhood in Portland where most of the uh, the names are. From the oh, Simpsons. really? So yeah. I didn't even throw out the right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so he's not from that area. So that, that eliminates that <clears throat> from the conversation. You know, I would just state simply – Mark Whipple has liked him for a while. You brought in Mark Whipple to be a guy who is commander of the quarterbacks, who knows his stuff there, has a long resume. I think you, as a fan or a media person, you say, all right, he made his evaluation. This is one they've trusted in. Um, I'm going to go with their expertise on that and think they got you know what they wanted. I know there were other names thrown out along the way that Nebraska was kicking the tires on at quarterback. Um, but I remember it was Watson, wasn't it, Schaefer, who you interviewed, um, I don't know, like a month or so ago. And I, you were pretty impressed with him just talking to him. And, like, I mean, it, he seems like a guy who just is really um, – you could see him as being just, like, a great leader and stuff like that at his position and really winning guys over in a hurry. And I know his size will be questioned by some, but I, I also remember Mark Whipple on his opening press conference with the media in Nebraska. He stressed that QBs come in all shapes and sizes, and that to him is not – you don't have to fit in a certain box to play this position. And he cited off like your, from your Russell Wilson to your big – you know. So I, I always keep that in mind. I mean, when – watching Russell Wilson play the position when he was at Wisconsin against Nebraska in that season, 
I mean, he's a special talent, but you're like, okay, let's sometimes you just, if the guy's got it, he's got it. And you got to get away from the measurements. Yeah. I, the, the thing that stood out with, with William Watson, um, when I found out that he was visiting and then I interviewed him the first time is the, the, in the intangibles of it seem really strong. I mean, he's a four year starting quarter. He will be a four year starting quarterback at a school that will have won titles or have won titles in two of those years. And he fully expects to win a title as a senior. He walked out the center court, basically had a microphone in an environment where everybody knows him and you could hear the noise and the cheering and the excitement for him. And he announced his commitment. Like there's, there's something about him that there's a little bit of an it factor there. Uh, and then, you know, you read the quotes when he talks, he's a coach's son. You can tell that right off the bat. He loves the game of football. Uh, he views it a little bit differently. He views winning as the first and foremost thing that he thinks he can help bring to the table anywhere he's gone. Why? Because he's never really lost. He's not used to losing. He has an expectation for winning. And so I, I really liked my conversation with him. Uh, he, he came on the radar for me when I was cross-referencing guys that, that uh, Nebraska was following on social media that Pitt had offered as quarterback and uh, was – pretty enamored with him right away and I I didn't think he was going to be the the choice but if if you go back to I want to say even at the end of December beginning of January I wrote about 2023 quarterbacks to keep an eye on and he was in that list and so lo and behold that's who Nebraska ends up with and in large part because Mark Whipple is very comfortable with them and he's very comfortable with Mark Whipple and so I I think that this is a an intriguing addition for Nebraska but it's also one where it, it's relatively safe for him. They, they know this kid. I mean, Mark Whipple knows him probably as well as he knows any 2023 quarterback in this class. They weren't able to, to hit on a, on a Jackson Arnold or on an Avery Johnson. Um, and the relationship wasn't as strong there. They went ahead. They're not going to mess with it. They have their quarterback for this class. It, it leads to a, another interesting discussion that I'll save here. But first, I want to get Brunson's thoughts on William Watson. Yeah, no, I think you guys hit on, you know, what what kind of makes him stand out. I mean, it is the intangible aspect. I think he has a, a, a good arm. I, I I think the ball placement's pretty good from what you're able to see in highlights. Um I'm I'm guessing your your other kind of thread to pull on is is the his commitment is always going to kind of be tied to Zane oh, yeah. at Gretna, who picked up offers from Memphis, K State and Oklahoma State. So you're always going to have that. You know, Kansas, Bruns. I'm sorry, in Kansas, yeah. Kansas, excuse me, Kansas as well. And but it's 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 adding adding William Watson to the quarterback room. It it does kind of when you look at the totality of the guys in that room, it's it's a very kind of all over the place group right now. Where you've got you know guys that are certainly you know run threats as Watson is and Logan Smothers is and Heinrich Harburg to a degree. You've got, you know, Mark Whipple's guys that he picked and Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy. You've got Richard Torres over here. Who's, you know, everybody's every bit of six, five, six, six with a big arm, but maybe not the the same mobility. So it, it is a, a fascinating group and, and kind of how, you know, they, they decide to go with the offense directionally. I mean, you're not going to have everybody there. Like there's just such a, a mashup of styles that um, 
you know, I, I think there is going to be a little bit of a, a culling process there, but I, I think uh, just from an intangible point of view, I, I think he's the kind of guy that you want in your program. And I think he's a, kind of an intriguing athlete as well and, and, and thrower to boot. Yeah, you, you hit on it. I, I do want to get into this briefly. Do you think it's a big deal that there will be a power five offered quarterback in the state of Nebraska and Nebraska has seemingly shown little to no interest in Zane Flores, who plays in the biggest uh, division in the state, just won the state title. The production is there. The size is there. It's not that he, you know, the athleticism isn't bad. He's not Drew Bledsoe, uh, which is a funny comparison to make for a guy who is a NFL starting quarterback that, you know, clearly had a good career, but everyone goes to Drew Bledsoe immediately when talking about people who can't move. So I, I find it fascinating that Nebraska just decided, and I think relatively early on, they just weren't going to be the team moving forward on Zane Flores. And they, with this commitment, I don't see them taking two quarterbacks in this class. And I don't see William Watson going anywhere. So Zane Flores very likely is going to be committing to a program outside of Nebraska and, and likely a power five program at that. Well, the, the answer is we don't know. Right. Because it's it's a big deal, I think, if, if Zane Flores goes to K-State, Oklahoma State, Kansas, wherever, and, and completely blows up and does well. Right. Like that's that's when it becomes a thing. I mean, because I think it becomes, you know, you, you didn't really, you know, look too much at this kid, at least publicly. And, you know, he went somewhere else and, and did well. Um, and he's right in your backyard. So. I mean, I, I, I guess the 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 question is is we we don't know yet. It, it's I'll be interested to kind of see what happens with his recruitment and, and where he ends up because I, I think the offers are going to continue to come. Um, but Nebraska obviously has has made their their choice uh, of which direction they're going to go. So I don't know. I mean, and then you, you have the whole narrative of in-state recruiting and, and Omaha. I know it's Gretna, which is practically Omaha now. And, and that's, you know, the, another piece of it, but the, I, I think the, the ire around that conversation will be louder and, and burn hotter if Zane Flores goes somewhere and, and, you know, really does well. Is that fair, though? Because ultimately, didn't you bring in Mark Whipple to let him dictate what he wants that room to look like? And so at some point, you have to accept that if he's choosing William Watson, there's a reason for it. And that's well, kind of what I go back to. It's like you can't there, – there's a segment of this fan base that somehow wants it both ways where you always take the in-state kid and your coach is never wrong. Like, I just – I don't get it. No, it's true. I mean, that's, that's – uh it's an interesting back and forth because like you said, I mean, you as a coach have to go to who, you know, and obviously Mark Whipple has known William Watson since he was in, you know, young middle school kids. So it, it's not like a, an unknown commodity there for him. Um, but I, I did that conversation around in-state recruiting in Nebraska. Is so um, everybody has opinions and rightfully so, but I mean, it would be one thing too, if, Nebraska had had more success in the last class and in, in, in Omaha too, I think, because I think that colors the discussion as well. BC, um, you got any thoughts? Well, I th I always think it's one of the toughest 
part of the jobs at Nebraska is in state evaluations and recruiting because there is so much uh, discussion about it and um, honestly kind of passionate opinions. I do think though, as a coach at the, when it's all said and done, you have to trust your eval and that that's nothing against St. Flores and he might just completely tear it up. And uh, that has happened in Nebraska before. There are also guys who I've seen Nebraska offer in state wise. Uh, there, there's a lot of commotion to offer a certain kid and you know, it didn't happen. We always, we never remind of those stories, but they do happen. Uh, or they went somewhere else and they were all right, but it wasn't anything special. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're going to miss some along the way in this game. But it, it's interesting. I always find, <clears throat> and I root for in-state guys to have success all the time. But if I if I ever tweet a mention of like an in-state prospect or something, you'll always get people who are like, why didn't they offer this kid? They need to offer this kid. And And some people have these opinions. They would offer like, if they had it their way, they would offer like 35 Nebraska kids. And guess what? Those guys would all raise their hand, not all of them, but 20 of them would raise their hand pretty quickly and say, all right, I'm going there. And then you're, you're in a tough spot. So that's what I'm saying. You got to, it is a tough uh, tightrope, uh, very thin tightrope that you're on. I feel like as a coach with, within state offers. And I hope Zane Flores does really well. I want that to be clear. And, um, you know, they, Mark Whipple had a long relationship with Watson, and uh, you brought him here to, like I said, to know what he's talking about with quarterback evals and make the tough calls there. And so let's see what he can do with it. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, I think that's, uh, I think that's everything we were setting out to cover today. The next time we gather, Nebraska will have had at least one spring practice, maybe two or are we going to have to configure our podcast schedule around whatever Nebraska's practice schedule is? Brunts, this feels like a question for you. They, uh, they, we will not have access next Wednesday, so we're free to pod. Great. This is fantastic. All right. So next Wednesday, we'll have met with some of the players, Coach Frost, that will start at spring football. We'll have things a little bit underway. It'll be the month of March, the longest short month of the year. February will be over. It'll be in the rear view. Hopefully – Great weather is along the way. I'm sure next week we'll have a little bit more opportunity to dive into some baseball. Uh, maybe we can have the eulogy for Nebraska basketball at that time. Uh, all of those things. But we wanted to go football heavy today. That's what's going on here. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? I'm going to I'm gonna get back in the workshop and uh, try to come up with a name for whatever this is. Working title is what? Two men in a hammock? Is that is that what we're going with? <laughs> it could be. That's not a bad one. Uh, in the workshop, do you have the wheel in there as well? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to fit it in the in the camera here. Um, oh no! Might, it might be like a two camera setup. So I'm 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 thinking through some things. You Can we just have a, a fourth camera that just shows the wheel at all times? <laughs> that would be great. We could do you that. Would blow, you would blow people's minds if you actually. Well, of course it does exist. So right. when you actually when you actually when you actually bust that wheel out and it's sitting there, people are gonna be like, I'll be, you know, that'll be some moment. I, I really need to be careful though with the images of the wheel because it looks an awful lot like other famous wheels that are probably trademarked. So we gotta be careful there. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't have enough money to pay for a lawyer. So no. we, we don't we don't need uh Bob Barker's estate after us. That's no good. 
BC? No, that's it. I think the wheel banter is a fine way to end. All right, we're ending on the wheel. All right, gentlemen, we will uh, get together next week. We'll talk then, and we will see everybody at that time. Be sure to stop by Husker 24-7, plenty of coverage as we get prepared for spring to start. Uh, great stuff from Brian Doan, by the way, uh, of 24-7 Sports Network. If you're a VIP member right now, he's got a really good breakdown on William Watson, what to expect from somebody who's actually seen him play. Uh, not just watching highlights. I always find that kind of valuable and that's the kind of stuff you can find it 24 seven and generally not anywhere else. So be sure to check that out. We'll catch you next week. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.